It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 27th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Phoenix Suns, kind of, again, what that means for the bigger picture, and, of course, what this is saying about the current Magic team. So, a lot to get into today, probably stuff we've already said, because these games are starting to take on familiar tropes, familiar themes, and uh, it's, I promise, it's 2018, not 2017, or 2016, or 2015, or 2014. Um, as the this, the magic again seem to be succumbing to some of the issues that they've had um, over the past couple of years. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, uh, you can find a podcast covering every team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Looking for a national perspective, you can find that on Locked On NBA. They do a great job covering the NBA on a day-to-day basis. And of course, Locked On Fantasy Basketball has you covered with fantasy basketball perspectives. Check them all out. You can find them on iTunes, sorry, searching Locked On and the team you're looking for. You can also find NFL, MLB, and college teams as well as bowl season is in full swing. Check them all out again on iTunes. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. And before we get started again, I would be remiss if I did not wish everyone or hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas, a good little holiday off as I took the last two days off of the podcast um, to, to celebrate my own version of the holiday, um, which is just namely uh, watching a movie and eating Chinese food. Saw a bad movie, did eat Chinese food. It was delicious. Um, but uh, I want to wish everyone a very, very Merry. Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas. We'll get ready for the new year here. Coming up uh, as we dive into uh, this very difficult stretch of the Magic schedule that is oncoming. Unfortunately, though, the Orlando Magic have not done a good job getting themselves some wins to bank in uh, heading into that stretch. Orlando came home from the Mexico City trip on a two-game win streak. They're now in a four-game losing streak, the longest losing streak of the season so far, tied for the longest losing streak of the season so far. And yes... It feels very much like the Magic's season is on the precipice. This game, no different uh, for a lot of reasons uh, because Orlando gave themselves a chance to win, looked like they were the better team for large chunks of the game, but simply could not make the plays that they needed to down the stretch or throughout the middle of the game, in fact, to allow them to get a win. It's the kind of game where if you won, you say, do whatever you got to do to get a win. You know you got to get better, but you've learned a lesson while, while getting the wins. But the kind of game you lose, you say, that one's going to sting. That one you're going to leave on the board. That one you're going to wish you had later. Or maybe you won't need it later because, you know, you're well out of the playoff race. The Magic have had two such losses like that in this four-game losing streak, losing to the Chicago Bulls. 
in a game that was filled with turnovers and sloppy play on both ends, although the Magic did keep the score down in that one. And like this game against the Phoenix Suns. Orlando raced out to an early lead. They looked like the far better team. They looked engaged. They looked serious. They looked like they wanted to put that losing streak behind them and protect their Amway center floor. Then the bench came in and gave it all away. The defense never truly recovered as Phoenix was able to run pick and rolls and get into the lane. And except for a few spurts of energy, Orlando was chasing and on their back foot. In a tie game with about minute 40 to play, DJ Augustin tried to pass it to Evan Fournier. It kind of hit his foot and was turned over, and Devin Booker scored on a one-handed jam to make it a two-point lead. From there, the Suns had control, but Orlando was able to fight back. A Terrence Ross three-pointer cut the deficit down to two, split a pair of free throws, and then DJ Augustin drawing a foul with .6 seconds left. Three free throws to tie the game and send it to overtime. But in overtime, Orlando just did not have the horses to get to the finish line. A combination of a lot of things kept Orlando from from getting the win. But the bottom line is this. Orlando went 1 for 10 in the overtime period. Made their first shot on a Nikola Vucevic mid-range jumper. And then was unable to make a shot the rest of the way. Terrence Ross had a three go off the backboard or had a three go off the side of the backboard, which he rebounded and then missed a layup that would have tied the game late. He had another three in transition, wide open, that he missed. That would have given the Magic a lead. And then finally, trailing by two on what amounted to the final possession of the game, Orlando was able to get the ball to Nikola Vucevic, but it was tipped on its way. He couldn't catch it cleanly. He found Evan Fournier for a quasi-contested look, and Fournier missed the three for the win. The Phoenix Suns escape 122-120. to 120. Shot making, to be honest. Shot making. Uh, we had good looks. We had good looks. Uh, we just couldn't finish it. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and yeah, we had good looks overall. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a game the Magic should feel they left on the board. They did a lot of things really well. They scored a, more than 100 points in regulation, too. For the, mo- for the first time in seven games, their offense worked really well. They only end up shooting 45.8% and 14 for 36 from beyond the arc, but take out the 1 for 10, 43 for 86, shooting 50% through regulation. They were moving the ball well. They were attacking well. They were getting open looks. And outside of the struggles from the bench, which hasn't you know been abnormal this year, Outside those struggles and the the times they couldn't get things moving there, Orlando's offense worked really, really well. They got good shots. They rarely settled into the final stretch of the game. And Orlando played exactly how they want to play on that end. Outside of turnovers. 17 of them to be exact. But Orlando's defense never got Phoenix under control after the first quarter. Orlando held Phoenix to 20 points in the first quarter until two threes to end the quarter got them to 26, and from there the momentum seemed to be on Phoenix's side. They end up shooting 50.5% for the game, 13 for 24 from beyond the arc. They turn Orlando's 17 turnovers into 24 points. The bottom line is Phoenix 
took advantage of Orlando's mistakes and missteps. While Orlando struggled to take advantage of theirs. And this has really been the case for the last, this whole losing streak, or a good chunk of the season so far. That yes, Orlando has shown sufficient scrap and fight, and, and the Magic had some tonight. They down by five and with about a minute to play, the Magic fought to force overtime. They they deserve at least a little credit about that. I mean, I was I was about to pack up and head back to the media room at that point. And I was like, you know what? Phoenix is the kind of team like Cleveland that doesn't know how to close a game. Orlando might still have a shot here, and they did. But at the same time, Orlando just doesn't have the execution shots. They're not making the shots that they need. And yeah, they've been good late in close games this year. They're now 10-9 and after this one. But something is still missing. Something key is still not there. And finding that key is still the tricky part. That's something we'll dive into here in just a little bit. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. But let's go over the final box score for you real fast. Your Orlando Magic are led in scoring by DJ Augustin, 27 points on 8 for 18 shooting, 3 for 8 from beyond the arc. He ended up getting 8 for 9 from the foul line, including the three big ones to force overtime. Six assists for him as well as three turnovers. Augustin largely very, very good in this game. I thought he really, uh, when, when the veteran, when the uh, younger point guards like Elia Kobo um, or, or was on him, or even Macau Bridges, who they who they stuck on on Augustin for a good chunk of the game. Uh, Augustin was able to break them down off the dribble and get to the basket. Uh, he was able to to do it. He did a really good job, I thought, of putting pressure on the interior defense of the of uh, Suns throughout the entire game, and and that was obviously very critical for this team. He was consistent making his three point shot. I know three for eight isn't a great number, but he was just very very good at getting that pressure on. Now. For sure, there were moments where he looked a little overmatched, where a longer player, again, like a Kobo, um, to some extent, uh, to some extent, um, DeAnthony Melton, when a bigger player was on him, he did struggle a little bit to get around them and, and, and to keep his dribble alive. But overall, I thought it was a strong game for DJ Augustin. Obviously, he led the team in scoring, had some big, big shots, big, big moments for this team. Was a reliable offensive option throughout the game. So the Magic definitely turned to him a lot. Nikola Vucevic, 22 points, 10 for 20 shooting, 13 rebounds, 2 assists for him, 4 turnovers. Really struggled to start the game uh, against DeAndre Ayton. I thought Ayton did a good job bodying him up. Um, but, you know, Vucevic also missed some shots and and, and definitely had, uh, you know, I thought Vucevic used a lot of veteran tricks on Ayton to, to get him uh, off balance and, and to fake him out, and, and Aiton bit on a lot of it. Um, you know, Aiton's got a long way to go defensively, although he's a lot better than I anticipated. Than he certainly looked at Arizona last year. Um, I, I remember in evaluating him, I thought that he could be a good defender. 
Um, it, it felt like uh, in college that there wasn't a, a lack of desire, as a lack of kind of understanding and knowledge of where to be. So he seems like he's learning that a little bit. I thought he had some really good defensive plays, but Vucevic overall um, scored once he got himself going in the second half. Scored really well. He's the guy the Magic relied on. They dumped the ball to him in the late fourth quarter overtime to to mixed effect, but overall played some really good basketball. That the biggest issue with Vucevic was defensively. Beginning of the game, he was really active. I thought, you know, I, I, I was thinking this to myself. It's not so much that Vucevic has changed defensively. He's still got all those limitations that we've talked about with him over the last five, six years now. What's really changed is, A, his, his second efforts where he, uh, you know, maybe makes a mistake but recovers a lot quicker, you know, limits, limits the damage. Um, but also the angles that he sets. He's a little bit more aggressive, Steps st- makes that extra step further to, to kind of guide the player where he wants to guide them. So, you know, when Clifford talks that Vucevic is a really good lane protector, I th- really think that's what he's talking about. In this game, we saw a little bit of the defense that we saw for much of his career in Orlando where he's just dropped a step, half step back too far and allows a player to get a ste- get some steam going downhill. Um, he's doing a lot better job recovering. He's got better recovery behind him. The rotations are much better behind him. But that initial point of attack is so critical. Um, it's really been the big thing with Vucevic. And, and while he's done a lot better, there were definitely moments where he looked like he was just a little bit too passive, not aggressive enough, trying to to step up on the ball handler and trust his teammates to cover Aiden or Rashawn Holmes or whoever was rolling to the basket. Um, or, or, or trusting himself even to recover in time, which he's been very good at this year. So, a little bit of a little bit of a hiccup there, I thought from Vucevic, but overall, uh, again, a, a solid game, not a great game, but a solid game for him. Aaron Gordon scores 11 points on five for 10 shooting, nine rebounds for him, two steals as well, plus a block. I don't think they counted. He blocked an alley oop that uh, uh, to DeAndre Ayton that I thought was just incredible. I don't think it gets credited as a block, but it was a really, really incredible play. Um, Gordon started off the game four for four, if I'm not mistaken. So he he finished this game a little cold, cool, but the Magic, you know, I really hate saying this because I've been really impressed with a lot of the things Aaron Gordon has done this year, um, but the Magic don't get him the ball enough. And there, there's a few possessions where the Magic did get him the ball, and he started doing his, his crazy dribble moves, and I'm like, Aaron, you're dribbling too much. Stop, pass the ball. Move the ball. You, yeah. Things with Aaron Gordon have to be quick. The more he dribbles, the worse his decision, the worse his shot's going to be. Um, you know, he still fell in love maybe once or twice too much with his step-back shot, and especially step-back three-point shot. But, you know, when he moves decisively and, and attacks quickly off the dribble or in the post— or even in, in short pick and rolls, he's a really good player. Um, the, the game-winning play, or, or the, the game-deciding play at, at the end of overtime, Gordon and Vucevic played a great two-man game, and they have really good chemistry together. I, I wrote about it on OrlandoMagicDaily.com last week about how Vucevic is is really vital to, to Aaron Gordon's offensive success. And so, you know, as we're beginning to think about what the Magic need to add, a real true playmaker that can get Aaron Gordon working off cuts and deliver him the ball accurately, because... Augustin's a good passer, but he's not, you know, kind of on that elite level or moving toward that elite level. Um, the more the Magic get Aaron Gordon in motion, catching the ball on the run, catching the ball heading toward the basket, the more successful they're going to be. I, I think that's just the bottom line. Um, the more successful he's going to be. 
So early in the game, the Magic had their cutting going. Gordon got a lot of really good looks. That's exactly how the Magic want to play. It's, again, what Frank Vogel used to say, and, and Clifford said, to, and maybe using some different words, Gordon works within the flow of the offense. The offense, when the offense is working, Gordon's going to score. He's going to get his opportunities. The offense is struggling a little bit. He's not going to get as many opportunities. And I think that's what we saw late in this game when the Matt, when Gordon only gets 10 field goal attempts, makes five for 10. Um, all I will say this though, Gordon, everything else about Gordon's game has significantly improved. His defense is to the level that that we expected uh, you know, from a few years ago when we all saw that defensive potential in him um, playing the three largely. Um, I, I, we're seeing Gordon expand as a playmaker. His decision-making is a lot better. We're seeing fewer and fewer of those dribble-heavy isolation sets with Gordon, um, which which I think is a really good thing. So, you know, I, 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 I am seeing a few fans, I'm, I'm in the middle of a conversation about this now, I am seeing a few fans say, you know, Aaron Gordon shouldn't be scoring only 11 points against the Suns. He's being paid $23 million a year. And, you know, you're right. The raw numbers are not there. I, I want to see Aaron Gordon get more looks. I want to see more plays run for Aaron Gordon because I think he is that, he is that, I, I, honestly, after Nikola Vucevic, I think he's the second best player on the team. Uh, and certainly, you know, should be the best player on the team. And, and I expected him to be the best player on the team this year, but he hasn't he hasn't reached it yet. Um, so I think that we need to see Aaron Gordon you know, take a little bit more control, whether it's through himself or Clifford to get him the ball a little bit more, work to get him more shots and work to get him more opportunities within the offense. Um, you know, I think that's a fair ask. But a lot of his game is really rounded into form. He's really become a very useful player. Again, I, I think he's very clearly the second best player on the team. Even if he's not scoring, he's doing a lot of things really, really well. Jonathan Isaac, 11 points on four for nine, shooting five rebounds for him. Um, struggled to get his offense going, obviously, uh, but um, defensively had some moments and had some moments where he looked like a rookie. And I think it is important to remember that he is still kind of in a rookie year. He's, I think, what, 50, 60 games into his career now. Um, you know, 27 games last year. We're now at game 33, 34, something like that. So we're, he's about 60 years into his career, um, you know, give or take. Uh, and he shows signs that he's still a really young player. Like, he, he, he knows the NBA, he can recover, um, he can make up for some of his mistakes, but he's still a little too jumpy, um, still trying to go for blocks and, 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 and kind of numbers a little bit too much, so definitely some discipline that, that he has to learn as a young player, but still making a positive impact on the floor. I thought he still made a positive impact here. Evan Fournier, 16 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 4 for 7 from beyond the arc, 5 assists for him. Um, uh, you know, Fournier's offense was really good. Um, you know, this is the offense offensive game you come to expect from Evan Fournier. Hit your open threes, come around screens, make shots, got to the basket a few times. Um, but, you know, Fournier will likely want to take some things back, struggle to keep up with Evan Booker, who had 35 points in the game, um, as well as eight assists. So his defense wasn't quite up to snuff, although I thought he did a good job trying to stay attached to Booker. Um, Booker just, he was on fire tonight. He was making a lot of tough shots. Um, but and when he did get free, he did a good job attacking and distributing. So Fournier was playing a little bit of catch up, a little you know maybe a half step behind him most of the night. Um, but Fournier also, you know, had some tough shots where you know he had a couple of shots blocked at the rim in big moments, and, and unfortunately that's that's what a lot of people will remember about this one. Um, other notable scores: Terrence Ross, eighteen points, six for fourteen shooting, four for nine from beyond the arc, missed a couple threes late, obviously missed a bunch of missed four shots. 
in overtime. So Magic stuck with them, didn't get rewarded. You know, a lot of fatigue, played 36 minutes in this game. Jonathan Simmons, 11 points, 4 for 7 shooting, 3 for 4 from the foul line. I thought Simmons was really effective offensively in one way where he was able to get to the basket. He was able to make his shots there and and really helped kind of keep the Magic's second unit sputtering along, especially in the second half. But at the same time, I also thought he was a little bit too much of a of a of a ball stopper. I, I thought that he was trying to search for his own shot a little bit too much and disrupted the rhythm and flow of that magic offense where there was a little bit more movement. Um tried to isolate guys, tried to tried to break that guys down off the dribble. And that really, you know, that is part of his role, but but that really wasn't what the offense called for. It felt very disruptive at the time that he did it and and, and the Magic's offense, you know, I don't think coincidentally struggled a bit when he was on the floor. Of note two, every Magic starter had a positive plus minus. Every Magic bench player had a negative plus minus as Orlando shoots 45.8% from the floor, 38.9% from three, uh, 18 for 22 from the foul line. They commit 17 turnovers for 24 Phoenix points. The Suns, every starter, including Devin Booker, 35 points for him, 24 points for TJ Warren. Every Suns starter had a negative plus minus. Every Suns reserve player had a positive plus minus. Take that for what you will, but it does say a little something about this team that deserves a little bit more comment. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. There is no doubt with this Magic team that they have a small margin for error. Steve Clifford has said it. I'm sure I've said it here. This is not the most talented team in the NBA. Not by a long shot. They, in my estimation, have the talent to make the playoffs. But having the talent and actually performing the act are two different things. So, yes... This is a team that, you know, when you look at them on paper, even if you believe they have the talent, you wonder, are they going to be able to do it every night? Are they going to be able to have the consistency of focus to play every game and make the playoffs and make that push? It's a fair question. It's a question we're still asking and trying to answer now 30-plus games into the season. So none of this is news. It's not news to say that if the Magic don't do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, right, they're going to lose. It's not news to say that. It's something we've recognized and understood from the very start of the season. And early on in the year, through the first, you know, however many games, 24 games or so, you could see Orlando's intensity and focus. They would make some mistakes, but they'd bounce back. 
And now teams have adjusted to them. Teams have begun to scout this team and understand how to beat them and frustrate them. And like Clifford said after Sunday's loss of the Heat, this is not about effort. The Magic struggles are not about how whether how they're playing poorly or not. It's about you know what Clifford would describe as organization, which really is attention to detail, just really doing the right things at the proper intensity to do them right. Because it's not easy for this team. And there's no one on this team's schedule that they can look past as clearly seen with these losses to the Suns and the Bulls. And it's fair to be disappointed by those two losses. You should be disappointed by those two losses. You should be frustrated and, and hold the team accountable to that because yes, those are games you have to win if you want to make the playoffs. Now, 500 teams, as, as I've said before, 500 teams play up and down of their competition. They lose games like that occasionally. But the trick is always in how you respond. The trick is always how do you bounce back? It's the same. It's something that Evan Fournier has said on repeat. And I could play the clip for you, but it's the same clip I would have played Sunday. So none of this is new. The margins are, are very narrow. And against the Suns on Wednesday, we saw how those little things, those, those little tiny things, have such a huge impact on this team and their ability to win games. A moment that a lot of people pointed to in that magic locker room after the game, Steve Clifford pointed to it as well, a huge moment was the Magic had held the Phoenix Suns to 20 points in the first quarter when the Suns hit a three and then and then I believe it was uh, Mikal Bridges or TJ Warren stepped through a double team and hit a leaning three-pointer to make it 26. 32-26 instead of 32-20 or 32-22, whatever you want it to be. From there, yes, the momentum did seem to change. Orlando failed to finish that quarter. And the defense was gone the rest of the game. Never really got back. I think Clifford said they had something like 12 deflections in the first quarter and just four in the second. The energy and intensity changed. You fast forward to the end of the game, the team's execution was not its sharpest. They missed a lot of open shots, number one, which you can kind of live with. But they turned the ball over. They stopped their offense to to try and do isos and just feed it to Vooch and just try and make something happen. They lost their purpose of play. And one of the reasons very well might have been fatigue. Orlando's bench struggled. And that has been a struggle for a long time now and something that is at the very heart of Orlando's difficulties right now. Yeah, no, so it's the whole challenge, yeah. Same thing tonight. I mean, those guys, part of the overtime is those guys are out there, you know, so much and so long. Um, but, I mean, it's out of necessity, you know. I'm doing it more and more differently every game depending on the other team. We haven't played the same line up that much, you know, because it just, 
<coughs> you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, uh, like tonight, I thought the uh, – well, you can look at the numbers. You know, the starters were really good in the first half. I thought to start the game terrific. We should have been up more at the end of the first quarter. We closed short, gave up a rhythm three, and then we let Warren, which is, I mean, you know, he just threw it up there. But, I mean, we let him step through us there at the end of the quarter. They would have had 20. But uh, we broke the lineup in the first half, and, you know, we lost the lead quickly. So we did it differently, obviously, in the second half. And the problem is, is that those guys can't play minutes like this. You know, we have eight in the next 14 nights. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out ways, or I'm going to have to figure out ways to do that. Orlando's bench problem is a very real one. No getting around it. Again, every Magic starter had a positive plus-minus. Every Magic bench player had a negative plus-minus. And Steve Clifford has been experimenting and tinkering to try and fix this problem. You know, he's gone to a nine-man rotation like he promised he would. He's, at the beginning of the season, he had Aaron Gordon come out later, early and play with the second unit later. Now he's got Gordon and Augustin both playing with that second unit. And while Augustin's been a big factor and a positive factor for the Magic over Jaron Grant, who has struggled as the point guard, and you know I think Clifford's trying to hide him uh, in that set, in that starting with those starting starters to to try and to try and you know get him to play a little more productively, it's still not working. I mean I think we can all kind of agree that Nikola Vucevic has been by far the best player on the Magic and. This is a big symbol why. When he comes out of the game, Orlando struggles mightily. They struggle a whole lot. But that doesn't explain everything. Having to rely less on the reserves does mean a lot more on the starters. You look at Aaron Gordon playing 42 minutes, and yeah, this is there's, there's overtime, so drop it down to 37. Nikola Vucevic playing 39, drop that down to 34. Evan Fournier at 35, down to 30. DJ Augustin at 41, down to 36. Terrence Ross at 36, down to 31. And it's not just that they're playing a ton of minutes. It's also that they're playing a lot of those minutes consecutively. I think I said about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, the game was close. If the Magic want to win this game, Gordon and Augustin, who are already in, are probably going the distance. Gordon got about two minutes on the bench when Isaac came back in. And I also said... Got to start thinking about bringing Vucevic in now too. Vucevic and Fournier, perhaps. So yeah, this is a big problem. And like Clifford said, the schedule is about to get really brutal with eight games in about 14 days, including one of the one of the most brutal West Coast trips I have ever seen in the NBA, where the Magic will hit every single time zone on the road trip and start it with a home road back-to-back, starting against Detroit on Sunday at home before traveling to Charlotte on Monday. Brutal. Just absolutely brutal trip coming up. And like I think I've said, we'll know by January 9th whether this team's going to be in the fight. Right now, that fight is really coming to them. Right now, they're really struggling to take that fight and to stay in this race. And there's a lot of, a lot of factors. But I also want to note, regardless of the opponent, because Phoenix has been playing well. I know a lot of people dismiss the Magic Losing to Phoenix is a bad loss, and, and it is uh, because of Phoenix's record, but Phoenix is playing very, very well right now, and, and Devin Booker is playing at an all-star level and has been very, very good. I want to note, though, 
that the mar that the difference between winning and losing is really really fine. If TJ Warren or Macal Bridges or whoever it was didn't hit that three to end the first quarter and the Magic held Phoenix to 23 points, maybe the defensive confidence stays. If Terrence Ross hits just one open three in overtime, the Magic got a lot of open shots. They executed pretty well. Their legs just weren't under them. If they make just one of those shots, they win the game. And we're sitting here having a very different conversation about the lessons learned and, 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 and the win that they, that they took home. No, the season is not lost. And, and you know, I don't want people to, to start you know, obsessing over the college players yet. Because they're only two games out of the final playoff spot. There's still a lot of time. They're not out of this yet. And even if we get to January 9th and the Magic are hanging around at three, four games out of the playoff race, they're not out of this. There are big decisions that have to be made in about a month. But they're not out of the fight. They're still in this thing. As, as Clifford noted... After the Magic play Houston and Boston when they come home, thanks guys, Magic will actually have the second easiest schedule in the league. So really they just have to be in the race, in the in the group, in the peloton, in the pack, chasing that final playoff spot and maybe they can make a push if they stick together and they buy in. I will say this, I still think this team is playing hard. I still think this team is trying and wants to win. They're just struggling to execute right now. They're struggling to get everything down with, with the wrinkles and, and the new things that teams are throwing at them. But the Magic are walking that fine line right now. They walked that fine line in this game against Phoenix. They got a lot to figure out. They got a lot to sort through. They are struggling mightily. And the season does indeed feel like it's on the precipice. And whether the Magic fall on the right or wrong side of that fine line, of that small margin for error, is still to be determined. But certainly of late, the evidence has not been friendly to the team, and they are suffering for it. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. We'll have a complete preview of the Magic's upcoming game against the Raptors on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.